This is the story of Dracula, a creature who destroys all whom he touches. Dracula the terrifying, the feared, who sleeps in the tombs of the dead by day and arises at night to inflict his terror upon the innocent and the unsuspecting. You must help me. You must. You're my only hope. You must. I'll help you. I promise. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 52 of Vague Zone. I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel. And today we're talking about the classic 1958 uh, Hammer horror film, The Horror of Dracula, also just known as Dracula, 1958, directed by Terrence Fisher. And Daniel, would you like to read us the IMDb synopsis of this? Sure. Jonathan Harker begets the ire of Count Dracula after he accepts a job at the vampire's castle under false pretenses, forcing his colleague Dr. Van Helsing to hunt the predatory villain when he targets Harker's loved ones. What do you think of that IMDb synopsis? Pretty descriptive, but you know, it's it's good. It's solid. It's Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all kind of know what Dracula is at this point. <laughs> yeah, very, very familiar with what, you know, the whole Dracula lore. Yeah, so right now we're doing a franchise run through the Blade franchise, and this is one of our detour films. And I'm, I guess, going to ask Daniel, why did you pick this movie? Uh, so, you know, I just wanted to stick to vampires, and I was looking down the list of vampire movies. Uh, there's some really obvious ones that I've seen so many times that I wanted to avoid. I never seen I'd never seen Horror of Dracula. I know Christopher Lee has been in a few of these as Dracula. Um, oh yeah, and I've never even seen the original Dracula, <laughs> or not the original the Bela Lugosi Dracula. Um, I guess yeah. the original might be Nosferatu, um, even though they didn't get the Dracula name. But um, yeah, so I was kind of between these two, and when it comes down to it. You know, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing in the same movie together was just too enticing. Uh, I had I had to go for it. Agreed. Um, yeah. So. Uh, so yeah. Um, what did What did you think of <laughs> this uh, horror of Dracula? I really enjoyed it. I think I'm in the same boat. I haven't seen any of these older Dracula adaptations, and I basically I don't think I've seen any Hammer horror films either. So this mm-hmm. is like an entirely new thing for me, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, like Peter Cushing is just fantastic with Dr. Van Helsing. And then, yeah, Christopher Lee is, is playing a really good Dracula. Got a, a young Christopher, a younger Christopher Lee as, uh, yeah, Count Dracula. And yeah, I just love the setting, the Victorian era. It's like, just, it, it feels like a stage play. This movie is really, yeah. like, I don't know. I love the dialogue. I love the costumes. It's, it's not too showy until, like, the, the end of it. But yeah, overall, it's just a really, like... Like, yeah, when I think of Dracula or like classic Dracula, this is going to be the images that come into my mind of, yeah, it's like uh, Christopher Lee in all black and just sort of being very imposing on on screen. And yeah, like like we've talked about a little bit of like the uh, intimacy that comes along with like biting somebody on the neck and taking their mm-hmm. blood. And this movie, def- I, feel, I felt that the most while watching this movie. I didn't really quite feel that with, with Blade. Obviously, those are action movies, uh, late 90s, early 2000s, so very yeah. different rendition of what, what vampires are and just going fucking crazy with the rules and everything but this is the classic uh garlic they don't like garlic just because of the smell of it <laughs> they don't like crucifixes you know sunlight mm-hmm. is bad so they're sleeping in coffins and got the classic fake uh fake teeth uh, uh inserts and 
yeah, I don't know. It's just, there's so much to love about this movie. And it, yeah, it's just really well acted. I like Peter Cushing a lot as Dr. Van Helsing. Yeah, I think I was, I was a little underwhelmed by this. Um, I, you know, I know Christopher Lee played Dracula several times and his portrayal is iconic, but uh, I just wanted to see more of him. I felt like I wasn't getting enough of him here. And I guess that's why they made more. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I do like his performance. He has this sort of, um, I don't know, he has this like stature and this like posture. He feels very uh, kind of rigid and it makes him sort of, um, I don't know, it, it, it definitely like makes him more menacing. Uh, yeah. What's the word? What's the word I'm looking for here? um he's he's looming he's looming over people yeah. <laughs> and and there is this like sexuality to him early on uh he's very he's kind of all business at the beginning but then once we get into vampire mode with dracula he's stopped <laughs> being uh this polite you know guy who's doing business with john uh, once we get into vampire mode, it feels more like what I recognize as a Christopher Lee performance, you know, being familiar with him in uh, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars and stuff like yeah. that. Um, he's a lot more animated and it uh, he kind of comes off as just like a maniac. <laughs> and I kind of <laughs> yeah. like that because it's like we get we get an understanding of like the danger of this character. Um yeah. yeah, and it's funny and also really appropriate that you said you don't, well, we don't, as the audience, don't get a lot of Dracula in this movie because he's not first build. It's a, a build yeah. as a, a Peter Cushing film, like he's top build. And so it's more focused on Van Helsing, even though we start off with this entirely different character. We start off with uh, John Van Eysen, uh He's playing uh, Jonathan Harker. He's playing this, this vampire hunter who he's setting out to, to kill Dracula. And uh, spoilers, he fails. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, Very the, early. <laughs> yeah the, the narrative sort of switches over to Van Helsing. And yeah, that's what it really picks off for me. Um, and I think that, takes off for me. Yeah, and I think that really works. It's like, it's kind of doing the psycho thing where you kill your protagonist very early. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, we, we, we change focus and it becomes a different movie. And yeah, structurally, I think that works pretty well. Yeah, what did you think about the first like section of the movie? Uh, with, like, just, just, with John Harker going to meet yeah, Dracula? I, I, yeah, I guess specifically, what do you feel about like his narration and him writing in the diary? Um, I didn't think too much about the narration. I, I think I was mostly just trying to grapple with, okay, like why is he here? Because it's I don't I don't think that's explained like right up front up front. Like I think you as you watch him engage with Dracula, you develop an understanding that he's there to like work on his library or something. And then you yeah, develop even the, more of an understanding that he is a vampire hunter. He's yeah, there he's to the kill him. Librarian. He's the librarian. He's there to, to archive the books, basically archive the volumes. But then yeah, we find out he's like, I'm here to vanquish Dracula. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Which is quite different. So I think, um, it's like I read Dracula when I was a teenager and I really don't remember too much of it. But oh, I cool. watched um, I watched Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola version, like only a couple years ago, and so that's still fresh in my mind. I'd, I'd seen a little bit of it as a kid, um, but it's like it's pretty fresh in my mind as like okay. the Dracula movie. I, th I think it is probably the best. One. Have you have you seen it? No, I haven't. Okay, it's I think might might be the only just straight Dracula film I've seen. Yeah, the Francis Ford Coppola one is. It, I, I, looking into it, it seems like it got kind of mixed reviews, and I think that's probably because of Keanu Reeves' performance. Uh, Keanu Reeves is like, you know, he's not, he's not doing great <laughs> in that movie. Um, okay. but, <laughs> but it's really weird, and it's got this like sort of dreamy quality to, 
the way it portrays horror and it's it's just it's it's there's a nice vibe to it that you don't really see in other things it almost feels like kind of like what Nosferatu was going for where Nosferatu it feels like um you're glimpsing this this world that shouldn't exist <laughs> you know yeah, and yeah. the and the you know the black and white film silent aspect of it uh really kind of feeds into that quality but um but yeah so i've been kind of looking the, at those as like the canon store tale of of dracula so coming to this and seeing john harker is he's not there to do this real estate thing he's there to be his librarian and he doesn't have he's not coming in with you know innocent intentions he's there to actually kill dracula like that was a pretty big surprise to me um okay I, cool i i think as like just in terms of storytelling like as this own uh narrative in a box i think it totally works though oh. yeah it's pretty solid i like yeah just the very just brooding vibe of just the set and yeah, him just like going in like i i like really enjoy just like the, the letter signed to him like, yeah it's like i'm sorry i couldn't be there but just have some food get comfortable and it's just signed dracula <laughs> like yeah it's just it's just very uh like the dracula yeah yeah it, it doesn't feel very threatening but then yeah he gets he has the encounter with um the woman uh forget her name uh valerie gaunt is just who's just credited as vampire woman yeah she sort of just she <laughs> runs in she's like i'm being held prisoner i need you to save me and he's and he like his reaction yeah. is like yeah like okay, like sure like it's like, like yeah okay <laughs> babe like he kind of like brushes her off which yeah, yeah, is kind of yeah. weird yeah that kind of threw me off a little bit so i was like is this gonna be like a uh very problematic <laughs> yeah i was like it reminded me of like jeffrey epstein stories of like women escaping and being like i need your help it's yeah like, it's fuck. Like, like do yeah, something it's like, dude it's like he's like why should i help you he's like i like i'm a woman and i'm in prison that should be the yeah. end of the conversation <laughs> and you're a vampire hunter apparently <laughs> yeah but then yeah he like sets up his room he puts like yeah he puts the picture of his wife or his fiance on top of this like I don't know. I just love the dresser that he's like working on. It's like it has this workstation piece of wood and then like just all of these shelves. And yeah, he's writing in like with this fountain pen on like in this red diary. So yeah, I just really like the production design of everything in the, in the beginning. And yeah, when it gets to this, uh, the conference, like he encounters the woman again. And yeah, she bites his neck. And then it just it sort of sets off this huge confrontation with with uh dracula sort of just being there and he like gets caught and yeah i, I really dug that that kind of, like he gets taken out really early yeah well i mean when he goes when he goes into kill dracula and kill the woman it's like he goes to kill the woman first and it's like what the fuck are you doing dude like yeah. the whole time i'm like open some windows like maybe put like if you're gonna kill a woman first put like a big block or something on dracula's coffin so he can't get up like get creative yeah. dude how he's he must be pretty new at this yeah he's a rookie vampire it's probably his first job yeah he's no whistler that's for sure yeah like, yeah, like but that was the, the one moment where i was like oh that's fucking really yeah, dumb he's like, making all sorts you... of mistakes yeah but i do appreciate the way that it is shot because yeah we get this really i'm a, I'm a sucker for silhouettes goddamn I'm, I'm learning that more as I, as I watch a lot of movies and talk about them on this show but yeah we get this nice silhouette or no, it has silhouette. It's a reflection on the wall where he's pulling up the stake to do this, to drive oh, the stake yeah. through her heart. And I, yeah, I appreciate that shot a lot. And yeah, we get another uh, stake killing scene later on that's pretty uh, brutal too when uh, it happens to the wife. Uh, I don't want to get too far into spoilers for people, but yeah, like 
it's from, I, 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 it's from 1958. It's based on a book that's like super fucking old. <laughs> I think we could spoil this one. Fair enough. Okay, so yeah, when when he eventually like does that, is it? Yeah, he's doing it to Lucy. He's not doing it to because the wife is the final like victim. But when he put, drives the stake through Lucy Homewood, like we get this close up shot of like the stake just going through the dress and like blood kind of yeah. just pooling. And, yeah, and it's like. That's like the the most like gory the film really gets, but yeah, that shot was really effective, and I just like the build up between yeah we don't see this first one it happens sort of off screen and then we cut back and she's an old woman so we get that nice little reveal that yeah like this is one of the older brides of Dracula that has you know been feeding on souls for how long whoever knows yeah but yeah I just like the like the progression of just the these violent confrontations and it starts off sort of small yeah it, it yeah it ramps up um what did you think of these vampiric vampiric performances uh lucy and then later mina i liked it when the first time we hear about lucy a little bit and yeah we have the way she's introduced i think it's really interesting it's like yeah first we just like we hear about her he puts on the the picture of her on his mantle and then he after the uh, after jonathan harker dies and he uh dr van helsing goes to the homeless house and tells them that yeah like hey uh your sister's uh fiance has died but i can't really tell you why and uh, arthur homewood who's played by michael go he's sort of just like he's really apprehensive and he's like hey like i want to look more information about this like like you're sort of holding back and eventually we do see lucy and <laughs> we find out that she's sick in bed and, then, <laughs> and then my heart i was just like oh, okay this isn't good like, this yeah. is not gonna either she's gonna uh die pretty early or she there's something really fishy is going on it, that's the truth she's been being fed on and hasn't fully turned yet but it's already been you know bitten by dracula so i'm a little confused about the rules with this because yeah i think going like i always assumed you get bit by a vampire you turn into a vampire and I guess that is what happens in this. However, um, you know, Van Helsing, he instructs them to uh, put garlic all over the room and to, like, leave the windows closed and stuff. Yeah. And so what is he trying to do, necessarily? Is it possible to cure someone? Like... Yeah, well, I think that sort of mirrors with what happens to Mina at the end when he basically gives her a transfusion with Arthur's blood. Okay. And I, I think the rules happening here are similar to the rules of the Blade universe, yeah. where it's like, it's not completely fatal, and there is like a window. Like, there is okay. like a time between like, you get bit, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's like a disease, it's like an infection, so it takes a little bit of time to... to fully convert you into a vampire and I, I, actually i was kind of into that because it, it gave a little bit of space like oh like you've been bitten and you're starting to show the symptoms and you know like yeah. you get to have a, a great scene with like a dumb doctor who's like oh yeah it's just you know it's anemia and i'm working on it i'm doing my best I, i'm doing doing whatever i can but you know nothing's it, really happening yeah it gives you a little bit of a race against time sort of plot line an opportunity yeah, to build yeah. some some tension um and then yeah, when... it also as just the horror of the fact that you know you can get bit once and then he keeps coming back to like yeah. you know for a, like a, to finish the job or you know that that adds a little bit that makes it a little bit more scary to me the idea that oh yeah i got bit by a vampire but this is gonna this is just the start of the process and he's gotta show up a few more times but yeah they sort of played in a weird way with yeah, they're like, yeah, she's sitting there kind of like in a, like in a dreamy state in bed. And the, yeah, her expression, even the, the expressions of Mina when they're like being confronted by him, it's like, yeah, it's like they sort of play with that sexual tension a little bit. They're just like, 
they're in, like there's an intrigue there they're not like super terrified yeah with with lucy it feels like there's way more sexual interest uh that she has in dracula like um she's like really eager to see him and stuff like that but with yeah. mina it feels a little more reserved but i really like mina's transformation after she's bitten because initially so she's she's uh lucy's sister-in-law right yeah. um but it, it the way her character sort of operates it almost feels like she's her mom or something like that like she's just this caretaker um yeah. It feels like, you know, she's a little older. There's, it just has this different dynamic. But after she is bitten, she ceases to fulfill the role of mother and she becomes more of a sexual entity. Um, just like the way she like looks at, um, gosh, what's his name? Um, John, or uh, Michael Goh's character? Arthur. Arthur. Yeah, like the way she looks at Arthur, there is like this more... Uh, you know, she she wants to bite his neck, obviously. Like, she wants to drink his blood. But the way it's conveyed, it feels more like a sexual thirst. Um, yeah. And it actually, then, it's, it's appropriate you said that because that's what they... There's a note about the direction on the Wikipedia about... Yeah, like, mm -hmm. like directed as, as if like, this was, like, a sexual encounter and you just had, like, the greatest night of your life. But yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, um, the way Mina engages with dracula though it doesn't really feel like that same sexual thirst towards dracula is there the way it was with lucy because it feels like there's more like fear and like reservation i think but i think i yeah i think it's a really cool performance in terms of like how the performance shifts and transforms yeah i duck that and uh, yeah it's it's just really great to sort of yeah, Van Helsing sort of just doing this like detective, you know, this little like detective story, like showing up to this town. He like talks to the tavern and the people tavern are like really hesitant, but yeah. the, the daughter sort of like slips in the diary. And yeah, I, I, I don't know. I like the idea that, uh, yeah, just like a lot of, it feels like the men in this movie seem to be like really goofy and aloof. Like yeah. I like, like the, there's a lot of bumbling idiots in this movie. Yeah, like the doctor is like just making mistakes and is like not really seeing what's going on. The um, the innkeeper is really hesitant, and then yeah, the the guy who oh, I don't know what you call his title, but the, the gatekeeper, literally the, the gatekeeper. <laughs> yeah, like they like they go and like they bribe him and like they put like the the pounds on like the little like stick. I don't even know what to call that stick. That's what you know we use in the yeah. restaurant industry when you're putting tags on something. But yeah, like he like just. Uh, spikes these two like uh, d bills on this thing on this little metal spike thing and it's just like oh yeah now i'll go and go into the books and find out where dracula is just like yeah, yeah man like it's like people are dying left and right and, like you just like have a little bit more urgency here and yeah. then yeah even the gatekeeper like i think no not the gatekeeper um the undertaker i think he's having the most fun out of all all these actors because he's just like just being super silly and over the top yeah and, like, very over it is a very weird dynamic. Like I just, I just wrote down all of the villagers are idiots. But yeah, you make a point, a good point where it is, it is just the men because the waitress at the inn, um, she's actually like willing to help Van Helsing and you know get this, get the story moving along. Yeah, it just feels like really odd. I was like, yeah, and like the women are sort of yeah, just different levels of prey or like you know. Or, you know sort of fall, sort of falling victim to I mean, dracula's plan however the maid does fuck up <laughs> she 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 uh opens those windows and gets rid of the garlic but i think that yeah, yeah. i think that's every that's i think that might be from the book because that happens in the 1938 version also um, oh, okay yeah
Gotcha. Yeah, and I, I love the line where, like, yeah, just go down to the cellar and get some wine. She's like, no, like, I'm not allowed to go down to the cellar. And mm. then uh, Van Helsing just freaks out and just, like, go and runs down there towards yeah. the end of the movie. I just love those little moments. And, yeah, I was going to say, like I was mentioning earlier, it feels like the first three quarters of this movie is pretty reserved and not over the top. And then the last quarter of this movie feels like a B movie where it just, it, like, the music I... sort of ramps up a lot and, like, yeah, it's. I don't know. What did you think about the, like the I, end? Of it? I mean, I love when it's revealed that he was in the cellar or whatever, and then yeah. <laughs> Van Helsing runs in there, finds the coffin because it's such a what like moment, yeah. like really yeah. the cell, <laughs> like he brought his fucking coffin into the cellar. But then, um, but the part I love about it is like when Van Helsing discovers the coffin. Uh, Dracula just like bursts through the door, sees what's going on, and then yeah. takes off running. And it's like such a good like he's already fucking here. He's already in the house. Like it's like yeah, it's a fucking great moment. Yeah, and I love that like, him and Arthur like throughout the movie. There's like speculation of like oh like can he change form? Like can he like turn into something else? Yeah, and, yeah. I like that this movie doesn't really do that. It's just it's more like just off screen where like he. His mood, like his ability to sort of be in other places, is somewhat supernatural. And uh, one funny thing from the, I'm uh, sorry, from the Wikipedia page that I thought was really interesting is there. It, does this happen in the book where they say that Dracula has the ability to turn into a wolf, a bat, and mist? Um, I'm not sure about mist, but wolf does happen in the. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola version. I think Mist is in there too. I think Mist Interesting. I've never heard that because, as far as vampire well, lore. Ever. Here's where I've heard it as vampire lore. Castlevania. <laughs> the Castlevania okay. games. Yeah. And uh, the Hammer movies. I believe there's a Son of Dracula movie where he has a son named Alucard. And I don't know if that is in any other sort of lore. But uh, I do know that that is a Castlevania thing, too. <laughs> Dracula has a son who I think is half vampire, half human, and his name's Alucard. Trippy. Yeah, that's... It's weird, because, yeah, it's... I don't know. That, that just kind of blew my mind a little bit, to think that, yeah, like, he has, uh, like, more shape-shifting abil- abilities, and yeah, the, abil- the idea of Dracula being able to turn into mist is really... I think that's really provocative, because we, there's a, a really great scene in this where... Uh, there's the daughter, a uh, character named Tanya, where Tanya like runs in. She's been like freaked out. She's like, this is right after the character Lucy has, I think, yeah, has it's been explicitly stated that she's died. And like, there's like, they go in, they like, he puts the blanket over like, the sheet over her head after the encounter. And it's like, okay, like, she's dead or whatever. And then a few scenes later, Tanya's like, I was out walking. And then I like this lady has told me to like come go walk with her and then she disappeared and left me alone and that was Lucy and later it like another scene it happens again where Lucy like lures Tanya away into like the woods with the intention to turn into a vampire I'm assuming but yeah we get this classic like misty scene in the woods where it's like you know they get the dry ice and it's just like a lot of fog and stuff and yeah She's like learning again. I, I, I just when I found that out, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, just like just connecting fog, fog or mist with you know actual vampires. And I, don't know, I, I just thought that there was something really nice going on. That's there. interesting. Yeah, I didn't even think that like maybe he was missed in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea, and I just yeah, I've, I never heard that, and I like that this movie sort of like it sets the sets not the tone. Uh, this movie like to a lot of people like this is what 
is like the like the idea of modern Dracula, so to speak, or at least what it was when it came out in the fifties. And like, yeah, having the crucifix and the garlic and dragging and the stakes and everything. And, you know, it's like those iconic things. But yeah, I just yeah, having those other ideas sort of floating around seem to be pretty interesting as well. Um, so I just looked it up. Uh, Alucard is from Son of Dracula, which is a 1943 movie with Lon Chaney, not okay. not a Christopher Lee movie. However, a character named Alucard does show up in one of the Christopher Lee movies called Dracula 8D. Not sure if he's also the son of Dracula. <laughs> uh, yeah. It would be weird if he wasn't because his name is Alucard. <laughs> it feels like yeah. that should be a thing. Yeah, it should be. That's a great name. Um, yeah, what did you think about like just sort of the end, like the the like the final confrontation, the final like, showdown? Final I mean, so after this, I watched the 1938 Dracula, and I feel like I mean this is way better the uh, the ending mm. uh, because we actually do get like the showdown. Um, Christopher Lee looks amazing <laughs> as Dracula when he's like in maniac mode and yeah. like actually like I don't know exposing him to the crucifix. Ba- crucifix backing him into light how we get like a little bit of a effect of him turning to ash like that's all delightful um because yeah. so it's so the reason i bring up the 1938 one that one was just super disappointing i think i think that movie just ends with them driving a stake through dracula's heart because he's asleep or something like that it's like gotcha. not much of a showdown <laughs> like kind of boring like at least probably, there is probably pretty risque for the 30s in all fairness. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like hey like the man had a stake driven through his heart on camera what like was there a toilet on screen too like like come on now that's that's pretty pretty uh ahead of its time probably like seeing for, a screen seeing a screaming man turn to dust is just like so much more interesting like i'm watching it right yeah. now <laughs> like yeah and are you watching like the the extended version because oh, i have not like, so i only watched whatever was on hbo max okay oh i didn't know it's on hbo i rented yeah. this i could have watched this for free dang it Damn. um yeah, so there is a, a version from like a, the Japanese cut had a little bit, a few more frames and a few more moments in that disintegration scene. Hmm. I highly recommend you watch it because, yeah, there's they do this really great thing where he like scratches his face and like, yeah, we get like, because in the version I watched, yeah, it goes from like his like foot and ankle are sort of just like dissolving mm-hmm. and like sort of just de- deflates essentially. Yeah. Get, like, it's not a great effect. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought it was okay. Like I, you know, I was like, okay, this is, this is nice. And then it goes from like his hand and like, yeah, we get to see like the, like the bones and the wrists and all that sort of stuff just breaking down. I thought it was okay. I thought we, it looked okay. We get a bundle of hair rolling away. Like there's like a wind yeah. and some hair rolls away. That's kind of weird. Yeah. At the end, yeah, it's like the tuft of hair rolls away. And I also appreciate that it's on this giant like zodiac ring. Mm. Uh, it just adds a little bit more of the the gothicness to it. There's just like some subtle things where yeah, inside of Dracula's cellar in the corner on a shelf, there's just like skulls on the shelf, and mm. like it's just like yeah, just small little things like that. Where obviously it's just like you know, just get some prop skulls in there, but and it just adds to the atmosphere a lot more. And yeah. I, I love the extended version of that death scene because. Yeah, like they say that they put red makeup on his, like they covered his face all with red makeup and then added the prosthetics on top of it. So mm. he has this effect where he like scratches it away and sort of oh. like reveals like just this red under. Yeah, it looks it looks solid and it adds a little bit more of a punch to it than the version I saw where it just goes from like his leg to his hand and then we just see the disintegrated face with like the yellow eyes under it. Yeah, he looks so cool, man. Like, this really looks great in this role. 
I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to watch more um, because I want to see more of him. Um, I find it odd that somehow he's back after this. Uh, we see yeah. him get turned to dust. They end on a shot of his ring. I'm uh, guessing that the ring comes into play somehow. Maybe his um, maybe his possibly. tuft of hair that blew away uh, <laughs> gets reanimated. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit of hair gets put on a, yeah. a mantle. It's but yeah, also I wanted just to point out a few things. Um, I, I did mention that like I was worried about this movie being problematic in the beginning, and there are there's two moments that do stick out to me. The one where the uh, the maid is sort of being like really overwhelmed and emotional over the like the fact that uh, Mina's gone, and then yeah, mm -hmm. Peter Cushing just slaps her in the face. Yeah. Like the, classic, like, like, a, okay. <laughs> like, calm, like the classic calm down woman sort of thing and that that like that really threw me off a little bit so i was like okay it's getting a little bit dicey and then i couldn't help but like just laugh at the just the way like i don't know the way that dracula just like throws mina into the grave just feel really like really blase very like, strange yeah <laughs> yeah they rolled up to the, to the castle dracula because they're like doing this big chase and it's, there he is and just like throws <laughs> he just her chucks the potty yeah and it's like holy shit like that's really brutal like, i hope that one yeah. was okay <laughs> yeah and i i don't know i think it like it is really slapsticky in the end i think that I don't know. It, it may it sort of adds to the overall like just fun of the movie, but there were those were two moments right there. I was like, oh, like this making me cringe a little bit while watching in hindsight. So does he have to bury her in order to complete the transformation, or what? I was a little confused about why he was throwing her in a ditch. I don't know. That's because just he was misogyny. very he eager just, to do it. <laughs> he just, he just very like, ah, I gotta get this girl into a ditch. I don't know. Yeah, he's he's uh, sort of unraveling at that point so he's not really acting like a rational slow-paced dracula he's just trying to just get her into the dark get her in the dark as fast as possible because yeah. maybe yeah the sunlight is coming up and just doesn't want her exposed to sunlight yeah i feel like these vampires should be easier to get rid of them i mean like it's yeah. so many hours a day <laughs> where they're just they can't do shit yeah fucking bulldoze the house yeah or like can you just chain the coffins closed or somehow like yeah chain them closed <laughs> drag them out side like come on people figure it out get your vampire plans ready gotta uh, I also i just wanted to point out uh, another thing that i enjoy is um there's a, like midway through the movie van helsing he's like recording himself giving like instructions on mm -hmm. how to kill vampires and he's doing it on this old like recording device where he's like speaking into like the i don't know i want to say gramophone that's not what it is he's speaking into like the, like this horn like thing and then like it's recording on like the reel it's like recording like on, like, on an audio reel essentially or like a, a cylinder i don't know what i need to yeah, look yeah. up what that's called but the old old timey recording device and i just enjoyed that bit of production i just like i like that like that prop um i thought you were gonna bring up how weird that butler is who's like i thought i heard you talking to yourself yeah. And he's like, I was. And then he leaves. <laughs> and I was like, is this going to, is there, what's the point of that? Is that going to pay off somehow? Are we going to get some more of this guy? And that's like, the guy gets like two lines and it's just confusion. <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy that because he does like a, a, like the butler does like the uh, hesitant, like he definitely like looks back a few times and I just enjoyed just like just blocking yeah. that. And, I was just like, yeah, this it is just, just, <laughs> I was like, this is just another example of like a weird character <laughs> like all every character who's just like a side character is like a weirdo yeah yeah also i just wrote down this line that i enjoyed the way that peter cushing delivers it he's like, if you love miss lucy be guided by me i beg you mm -hmm. and I, I don't know i just like 
it, the, the, like this movie feels like the writing in the first like three quarters feels really uh, like you know poetic and like something that you would definitely see on a stage and i think this movie especially with a lot of the way that these big scenes and with fade outs it feels like we're watching a stage play so, sort of where it's like something massive will happen like dracula traps the vampire hunter inside of the basement and then it just fades out and it's just stuff like that i don't know i just and really enjoy just how it's paced and i don't know, i think it, yeah it, it feels like a victorian era sort of play or performance yeah i'm glad you brought up uh peter cushing giving it um that advice on how to take care of lucy because it's during that scene that i think i really noticed the quality of his performance because it feels like like he's just saying like you got to do this you got to do that and um it felt like i like believed it i was like oh yeah this guy knows what he's talking about (laughs) like he felt like an expert he felt like a authority um and i think he was really selling what is a bunch of strange bullshit, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like putting garlic around a room and shit. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it kind of just goes back to, I don't know, just the reason why we were talking about it, discussing it. It's like, yeah, it's like, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Peter Cushing film before this. Like, I know like he's in Star Wars and he was, uh, you know, digitally resurrected for uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. Was oh, it? Yeah, yeah, very dig- weird. Digitally resurre- resurrected for Rogue One. And so for me, I was like, I really need to just see like a, a true, honest Peter Cushing film. And for our listeners out there, I highly recommend this. It's a great like sort of starting point because he really holds and carries this film for a lot of this movie. Yeah, he's top build, top build for a reason. Yeah, and he shows. They, it's insane to me that they made another eight of these films. Yeah, he, show, he shows up like another three or four times. Yeah, I, I'm definitely gonna look up a list of like ranking them because I know. I know at least one other one is on HBO Max. Uh, I hope they have. I hope they have more. But okay, yeah, very actually, cool. Yeah, I, I hope they. Yeah, I hope they have the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, where Kung Fu meets you know, meets horror. So it looks like they. Ju- the only other one they have is Dracula's Risen from the Grave. Um, okay, which I don't know where that falls in the Cushing timeline. However, it is eleven years later, so it's probably one of the. I imagine it's not the direct follow up. Should we read? Up? I have the list of all of the sequels. If you'd like to hear them, uh, sure, yeah, let's do it. So this was followed by the Brides of Dracula in 1960, Dracula, Prince of Darkness in 1966, Dracula has risen from the grave okay. in 1968, Taste the Blood of Dracula in 1970, Scars of Dracula also in 1970. So yeah, 1970 was a good year for Dracula. For Dracula. <laughs> two movies oh, great dracula eight dracula ad 1972 i love that title so much <laughs> it came out in 1972 yeah. then followed by the satanic rites of dracula in 1973 yeah. and then it finished with the kung fu film the legend of the seven golden vampires yeah. in 1974. sounds dope i think i've yeah i think i've heard about the legend of the seven golden vampires that it's actually like very a very entertaining martial arts movie yeah i need i need to see that film (laughs) (laughs) and definitely that is on like my must watch list for this upcoming like halloween season yeah oh i think shout factory did a release of it maybe that's why i heard about it uh, sweet yeah um anything else on the horror of dracula um no i think that's pretty much it all right what have you been watching lately so i finished the venture brothers and so i'm now definitely in the camp of people who is extremely sort of like disgruntled the fact that the show got canceled. And I do hope that the movie sort of wraps everything up because yeah, like I, the things I love about the show are, yeah, just like the, 
the sheer amount of characters and costume villains and just like there's just so many really fantastic threads. Oh, sorry. There's so many really fantastic threads that sort of get brought up over the course of the seven seasons. But one thing that I was really impressed by is there's like a really incredible like three episode arc that happens in the seventh season that's doing callbacks and like really interesting like yeah yeah really good callbacks to stuff that happened in the first two episodes of the series and I don't know I just really appreciate when cartoons and comics and sort of retain a a really strong continuity between you know just things that happened at the very beginning the stuff that sort of happens towards the end yeah I really hope that the movie is able to wrap up some some of the many many unanswered questions that happened with that show so yeah that's on hbo max so i still i highly recommend that to anyone who's a big fan of animation and just animated comedies but the thing i'm sort of obsessed with right now is i the, the emmys were this past mm. weekend and ted lasso won like a lot of stuff so i was like i have to hop everyone on the train has been talking about this show had to had to hop on the train and i'm and i'm i'm indoctrinated now i'm <laughs> i'm spreading the gospel of ted lasso it is really fantastic damn now i it, have it, to it, fucking watch yeah this. <laughs> it's it's i like i was very skeptical because i was like fuck i don't want to spend money on apple plus tv like that was yeah. the first big thing i was like i don't want to spend money on another streaming service to watch a show but yeah it, it really sold me and there, like there's really great characters and yeah his his like really like folksy sort of vibe where it's like yeah he's you know, referencing a lot of hip-hop songs and a lot of pop culture just like constantly and just mm-hmm. his, his character is just like extremely upbeat it is sort of it's really infected me because you know i've had like ups and downs and stuff so i was like yeah like this is sort of like the show that i, I kind of need right now that it fills the like that void that sort of left by a parks and recreation or other comedies that have like a really strong positive protagonist that's surrounded by characters who are you know it could be salty or really pissed off mm-hmm. or you know, have have their own like problems to deal with but yeah jason sudeikis is really great in that show and yeah just the fact that it's a little bit of sports you get to learn like it it's nice to be like we're the audience and ted lasso are both outsiders in the world of soccer so you get to like learn a lot of things about the nuances about you know soccer the fact that yeah like not all soccer fields are the same size and they have like all sorts of you know different championships and stuff to go through and just the way that the league works it's really interesting yeah the characters are really vibrant and i i think it's really interesting that it like got nominated it got nominated for 20 emmys in for this Jesus, for like man. this past thing and it was for its first season and the first season is pretty good but right now season two is airing it, there's three episodes left uh and yeah i found it really interesting that season one sort of got all these accolades because season two seems to be doing a lot of you know, heavy lifting and a lot mm-hmm. of like you know getting into a lot more darker territory with mental health and you know just talking about you know just relationships and yeah it's getting into a lot more darker territory so the fact that season one was you know given all these accolades it, it makes me confident with this prediction that if this show sticks around it's just going to keep sweeping like, I think it's going to continue just to sweep the Emmys if it does stay around for another three or four seasons. Um, it's, I got to check it out, good. man. It's, yeah. it's pretty damn good. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, the characters are, are really great. So I had a... Uh, sorry, finish your thought. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say that's basically... It's like, it's, you know, it's really held up by the, like, the characters. And there's just so many really great characters to love in the show that that's really what sold me. And I, I was definitely extremely skeptical because, yeah, it's like, I don't want to spend money on another streaming service, but 
I, I was like stealing it. I was like pirating it. And I was like, you know what? Like, like these pirating sites were just not buffering fast enough. <laughs> like these jokes are so good that I was like, okay, I just need to spend the five bucks just to like yeah. get this in this proper version. So yeah. I really enjoyed Buy it. Buy one month and then just fucking stream all of it. Cancel. Yeah, there's um, 10 episodes in the first season. They're all 30-minute episodes, so you can get through it pretty quickly. Oh, nice. yeah, season, season two is airing right now, so it's not over yet. So I got on bandwagon right before you know, right in time. Yeah, I had a, a friend describe it to me. The way she pitched it was, what if there was a comedy about a man who was nice? <laughs> like, like, that's it. It's just a show about a nice man. Um, because yeah, yeah. it's been a trend for a while to have a lot of, uh, to center on male characters who are just like brooding or uh, they got this darker side. And it's like, hey, yeah, we'll just make a show about a nice person. Um, yeah. And, and it's like, it's great because season two is already, it, like, season two subverts that and is very aware of mm. that. Like, this person, like, you know, is is extremely positive to the point where this person is really positive because of a reason you know, it's mm-hmm. not just you know and it's, it's sort of reason. you know yeah it could be you know covering up some darker shit and so i'm not gonna spoil anything i think it's very well worth the watch very much worth there's the watch. this uh movie i really like called happy go lucky starring sally hawkins and mm-hmm. it's where it's just kind of like a character study um she plays this character who is very happy and like very upbeat and she's like learning how to drive and her driving instructor is a really frustrated dick um (laughs) and like that's basically the movie it's just like her just like going about her life and that is like the continuing sort of thread like meeting a guy that she wants to date um and that's about it and it like makes for good comedic moments um and so yeah it's it's refreshing to see uh someone just be happy (laughs) Yeah, and I, I I really just also appreciate, uh, yeah, just the fact that it's you know shot in London and or shot in this uh, I, th- I don't know if it's a fictional uh, neighborhood of Richmond or but yeah, it's basically like you know like middle class sort of like UK neighborhood and like it's really diverse. It's like yeah, the cast is just like you know, all sorts of colors in the show, and so <laughs> I described it like that. <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah, the cast is really diverse, and I really I really enjoy that. And, yeah, it's doing some interesting things, some things I'm not too crazy about, but, you know, no shows can be perfect across the board with all of this, the, the plots that it introduces. But, yeah, it, it's, I was like, yeah, I, I wanted to hate it, but I just couldn't. So now I'm, I'm team Lasso for sure. Um, what have you been watching this week? So I've been bouncing around between a lot of things, checking out a lot of stuff. Like I said, I watched um, Dracula from 1938 with um, Bela Lugosi. And honestly, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't get why Bella Lugosi... I mean, maybe it's because they made more movies. Um, but, like, his performance in that movie, a lot of it is, is just him making a, a, a disturbed face while a light that looks like it's coming off a reflector is, like, flashing on his eyes. Um, gotcha. I, I, I didn't find it to that... Uh, I, I just wasn't totally on board. I wasn't totally, uh, yeah, sold on it. Um, I remember I checked out Frankenstein, the classic black and white Frankenstein movie a while back. And that like totally hit me. I was like, yes, this is great. This is fantastic. There's a reason it's a classic. Um, I didn't walk away from that feeling, feeling that way towards Dracula. Um, but what else have I been watching? Um, I've been keeping up with what we do in the shadows. I think I've watched like the first two or three episodes, uh, still in vampire mode. Um, yeah. What is, what is that available? 
It's on Hulu. Okay. Um, oh, I have that right now. Sweet. Cool. Um, yeah, it's still good. Um, initially, like just going into the idea of what we do in the shadows, it's a sitcom about as a, a, a mockumentary style sitcom about vampires. It sounds ridiculous. It sounds stupid. It sounds like it's something I'm going to hate, but yeah. I keep coming back to it and I get enough enjoyment out of it that uh, I'm not giving up anytime soon. <laughs> uh, I love Matt Berry. Any episode that yeah. centers on him is fantastic. Um, he's just such so a great. fucking weird character. <laughs> and and yeah, so keep it up with what we do in the shadows. I've also been watching Marvel's What If, which okay. I don't like. <laughs> I don't think Oh, really? Okay. I don't think it's a, Have you been watching it? Yeah, the last episode I saw was the zombie episode. Okay, yeah. I I usually throw it on and I just kind of check out. The only episode I really liked was the Doctor Strange episode because I felt like it almost felt like a Twilight Zone thing or something. Um, yeah, it ends. Yeah. yeah, I thought it ended really well. A lot of these episodes kind of just end. Um, yeah, it, yeah. It like introduces like, what if things went this different way? Here's kind of what it would look like, and then it just ends, which makes me think that you know they're gonna do uh, a crossover episode at the end or something where that is gonna actually, um, you know, they're gonna merge all these different universes that they've created with what if, and then they're actually gonna give some closure to all the stories that they've introduced um that's my thought that's my guess we'll see if that happens um yeah the nick fury one was really strange to me like him like all of the avengers die, like the one oh, where, dying well, spo yeah. spoilers yeah all the avengers are dying and it turned i guess that like literally immediately i was like oh this ant-man probably doing this. <laughs> like, cause, like i felt like it just it was so obvious from the very beginning and so that one i was like yeah like we're building up to this really big reveal it just wasn't that big it yeah. was like um last thing i checked out was i've been hearing a lot of buzz around the harley quinn animated series which mm -hmm, i yeah. i had no interest in it <laughs> um <laughs> but i was like you know people keep talking about this and telling me that it's good and i can't believe that it's that good so i decided to watch the first couple episodes um the second episode is really good <laughs> it's like okay. it reminded me of venture brothers uh which is funny okay. that you brought up venture brothers it's just like you know you do have this large cast of characters that you can pull from in the bat in the world of dc not just batman in the world of dc and yeah, um yeah. and batman himself he's got a huge cast of uh villains and so it's just you know playing around with these villains having some fun um a lot of f-bombs right out of the gate because they want to you know make it very clear like hey look this we're gonna be making mature jokes so you know put the young okay. ones to sleep um and yeah it feels like an it, i don't know it's kind of a nice like sitcom like an adult animated comedy that you would expect to like come on around 10 p.m you know you're you're flipping through channels you're kind of tired you land on a cartoon you say why not um, yeah, that like can be really hit or miss because yeah, like there's Adult Swim has sort of been in the news a little bit because I think it was the 20th anniversary of mm. it showing up and yeah, just just a lot of conversations about just how influential it's been just on like the landscape of television and right now this past week like Family Guy had like its final uh, airing. On, really? Oh, yeah. On after yeah, and it's crazy because yeah, like it was revived because of DVD sales and sort of was propelled by yeah. viewership on Adult Swim, which you know led to Futurama coming back. And just, just a lot of just really great animation has sort of spent its time on Adult Swim. And I think, yeah, like 
the fact that you, yeah the harley quinn show is on uh hbo max which is owned by warner brothers which is you know all, it's it's that's all in the same that's family that's interesting yeah yeah and so i think yeah it's really appropriate that like you brought that up because yeah i've been thinking about like just that era of this of animation has been really influential for the good but also influential for the bad because you have like netflix he has a show like based on this twitter account like uh like party like chicago party mom or something like that it's just like based off it's like uh, i want to get the name right um uh shoot it doesn't look very good because a lot of these shows can be made really cheaply uh yeah it's a show called chicago party aunt and it's like it's based off of based off of a, a twitter account where it's like a guy it's like oh yeah like mimosas in the middle of the day or something like that just you know, saying snarky shit and it's like yeah it's run by a man <laughs> but the animation doesn't look that great yeah it looks terrible <laughs> yeah and it's funny that you mentioned the harley quinn show because i feel like yeah a lot of shows or like a lot of studios are just like yeah like just get a raunchy show it's gonna just be a lot of swearing mm-hmm. and it'll you know the animation will be dirt cheap that's kind of like what hoops was like this there's a show called hoops with uh, i think it's i've get the actor's name who's in that but yeah it's like a basketball coach he's a surly dude he just swears a shit ton and that's kind of you know he has like a ragtag group of kids on the team and yeah like a lot of those shows can just like just come and go and be really bad so it's it's always good to hear about when they sort of put a little bit of effort into it and make something kind of vibrant and actually you know with some heart and it felt so unexpected it's like what like i had no interest in this harley quinn show i was like do we need an adult-oriented Batman cartoon, <laughs> like <laughs> Batman comedy? But then it's like, well, you know, like Lego Batman is probably one of the best Batman movies. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe taking a comedic approach towards this material is the way to go. And they just decided to, you know, cater it to adults rather than cater it to families. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm into it. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. Watch watch episode two. All you need to know from the first episode is that her and Joker broke up and she's trying to like find herself as her own villain. Like that's all you need to know from the first episode. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'll give it a shot. Cool. That's all from me. Okay. Well, this has been episode 52 of Vague Zone. Next week, we're going to be finishing our franchise run of Blade with the Blade Trinity mm-hmm. film. Blade Trinity yeah. with one Ryan Reynolds. Fan favorite. Deal. Yeah, yeah, it's got Patton Oswalt in it, so you know, can't it can't be a bad movie? Mm. That's the rule. Patton Oswalt is in the film, mm. therefore, it cannot be a bad movie. So yeah, <laughs> looking forward to what you think about that movie. All right. Let's check it out. So yeah, this has been episode fifty-two. If you would like to contact us, you can email us vagueszonepod at gmail dot com. If you have questions, comments, or concerns, if you have movie recommendations, or just want to join in on a conversation, tweet at us at vagezone on Twitter. I'm Thomas, and I'm Daniel, and we will catch you on the next one. Good night, Tim. Oh, and rest in peace to Melvin Van Peoples. He passed oh, away. Yeah, today. Was passed that today? Away. Yeah, passed away today. I need to watch uh, the Sweet Seymour's uh, Badass Song or whatever that movie is called. I'm sweet the title Sweetbacks. Right yeah, Sweet Sweetbacks uh, Badass Song. I need to watch that movie because, yeah, iconic uh, filmmaker. So, yeah, I need to check that out. All right. All right. Catch you on the next one, y'all.